You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly Waste Not series in which we discuss food waste and ways the agri-food system and households can contribute to global change. We'll be discussing a recently published report and solutions to food waste with Jack Froze, chair of the National Zero Waste Council. And after the break, we'll be speaking with Denise Philippe, senior policy advisor, National Zero Waste Council and Metro Vancouver. Welcome, Jack. Well, thank you very much, Peggy. It's a pleasure to be on your show today. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Jack, what is the National Zero Waste Council and how long has it existed? Well, the National Zero Waste Council uh, was uh, publicly launched in 2013. So it's been with us um, almost a decade. And uh, it's a collaborative leadership initiative of Metro Vancouver. And it brings together all orders of government, businesses, not-for-profits. And and really, we're all there for the same reason. That's to prevent and reduce waste in design and production and use of goods. Food loss and, and waste has been one of its focuses uh, since, since the inception. It's, it's, a, it's a very important uh, aspect of, of zero waste is, is food loss. And we're very, we focused on it pretty much uh, every, every year, right from the beginning. That's wonderful. And so a real diverse range of people having come together with this common purpose, you mentioned government, not-for-profits, a number of key stakeholders to sort of tackle and start to confront this waste overall, but specifically we're talking about food waste. That's really fantastic. And what are some of the goals of the Net Zero Waste Council, Jack? Well, I think the most important goal is, you know, we start off with we want to unite Canadians in the achievement of a waste-free future for Canada. That top goal, you know, spins off into the rest of our goals. We really want to drive down waste by supporting a transition from a linear economy. And I look at linear as you, you take it, you make it, and you waste it. You basically throw it away. And that's something we want to get away from to a circular economy. And that helps maximize the economic opportunities for all Canadians. And circular economy is, um, it closes a loop. You know, you, whatever we do with the product, we want it to use it. Uh, and and if, it's, if it's packaging material, get it back in the system. If we can re- reduce uh, the packaging, it doesn't get in the system in the first place, but have it continue to go around because resources are extremely valuable. Uh, very well said. And I think of the circular approach that you just described as there's a lot of innovation yet to be brought to the forefront because there's new life we want to give to things. And right. this circular approach where we look for new beginnings and things that we have uh, finished a certain life cycle with, it doesn't mean that there's not a new life in it. So so on your website, Jack, uh, www.nzwc.ca, the NZWC standing for National Zero Waste Council, the team has shared a number of principles. And can you tell us generally what they are? Yeah, so there's five core principles. Um, obviously, collaboration. We've talked about that already. Global alignment, uh, staying economically competitive, solution fo- focused with co benefits, staying thoughtful of local and global impacts and long term consequences of action. You know, I talked about uh, collaboration and uh, how we're working with uh, all governments and, and, uh, and, and industry and businesses, farmers, um, people, consumers who are using these products and uh, all of our community partners to develop solutions. So that's collaboration. We, we can't, like you said, we can't do it alone. We have to work together uh, and we have to be economically competitive. Uh, we wanna make sure that our solutions help Canadian cities and businesses be competitive in the global economy. And I think one of the things we're striving to do is, is show how economical it is 
to reduce waste and where it goes straight to the bottom line, you're going to get better buy-in from business and it's going to be better for the consumer in the long run. So in global alignment, uh, there's a lot of great people and organizations around the world who are leading waste prevention, uh, similar to what we're doing here in Canada. And they're doing it in food and many other sectors. So we're committed to aligning the council's work with these initiatives. And that way we become stronger together. And co-benefits. So what does that mean by co-benefits? So waste-free future will mean being more careful with how and when we use raw resources. However, there is enormous economic, social, and environmental benefits that come with this change. We want to highlight these benefits. We all win when we drive down waste and consequences and impacts. We want to make sure that when we pursue a solution, we're aware of the impacts of change and ensure that we're moving forward changes that continue to benefit Canadians in the long run. So, you know, we, as I talked about, it's collaboration. Uh, we have to make sure it's economical. It aligns with the global movement. Uh, there's a lot of benefits, but we also have to be very aware of the consequences and the impacts of our decisions and, and ensure that there's not unintended consequences that we aren't making something worse. And so, so working together with the National Zero Waste Council and, um, and work, working through these, I, I think we're on the right road. I think when I'm listening to you, Jack, I'm reminded of everybody wins and that, you know, we can't do it alone, but that we cross the finish line together and that notion that everybody wins and that by design, the council has thought about a number of factors that may be divisive and this overarching four principles to keep everyone together, as you had said earlier in the show with Canadians unified moving towards uh, zero waste. But we have come together before, which means we can do it again. Certainly, I think there's a lot of people very interested in it these days. I'd like to hear a little bit more about the two broad directions that the National Zero Waste Council has identified. One, design change, and two, behavior change. Why these two directions? Yeah, you know, I think you know, both are important. Behavior change, it starts with each one of us. What we do, how we do it uh, in all parts of society and all stakeholders uh, so we can generate less waste. Uh, it's, it's important all along the supply chain. I think of behavior change and it's the things that we do at the National Zero Waste Council, and we do that with our food waste uh, programs, is, uh, is to have people think about what they're doing. So number one, we change our behavior. What, what used to be normal isn't normal anymore. We have to look at it in different ways. Right. And uh, manufacturing, uh, how, how is, how is uh, manufacturing machinery? Are we, are we trimming uh, too much off or not enough off or whatever on different foods? Are we discarding foods that could be used? Uh, it's... It's how we prepare and store our food at home, uh, how do we use our fridge, uh, how we use our leftovers, you know, taking, taking that Christmas turkey and making soup the next day. Right. Those are things that are important and using, you know, every part of it. So it's, it's changing our behavior. It's, it's thinking about what are we doing with this food? Where is it going to go? I agree. And we get it on sort of the consumption side, the behavior change and the two uh, broad directions, design and behavior change are really, really, uh, they go hand in hand. And uh, I, well done to the council on identifying those. And Jack, there's another more consumer targeted initiative happening right now. It's called Love Food, Hate Waste. I've been to the website and seen the resources. I think it's fantastic. And we'll have a representative from Love Food, Hate Waste on the show in uh, the new year. And I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about this campaign and um, what it's about. Yeah, well, Love Food, Hate Waste, again, I think it goes down to behavior change. It's, it's um, um, some great catchy ads. It gets into your brain, uh, that you're going to throw something away that, well, why am I throwing this away? If I'd been a little bit smarter when I bought it or planned a little better, I wouldn't be throwing it away. Mm -hmm. uh, there's uh, a lot of food items I mentioned. I, I'm a turkey farmer, so I talk about making my turkey soup after the turkey. I don't like to waste it. It's such, it there's so much energy goes into growing this, this bird. It becomes part of our, our Christmas festivities right? And, uh, and, and not wasting it. So 
So we're taking it and, and using it for something else and, and providing another nutritious meal. Uh, that's a really, you know, to me, a really good example. So, so uh, love food, hate waste. Uh, it's not all waste and uh, find ways of, of using it. And I think we, we all are very creative. And, and today I find uh, online, you want a recipe for anything? You know, I, I just type it in or ask Alexa, what do you have for a recipe today? Right. And it's amazing. There's no excuse for not finding ways to deal with our food. Right. And it starts with that behavior change. And the last question that I asked is, but also being an observer and a seeker of what is a new life potentially for this? And you had mentioned your uh, turkey soup the next day, but bone broth is all the rage. No yes. reason to dispose of your turkey carcass before you make some delicious bone broth for yourself. We're all looking forward to our turkey over the holiday season. So thank you very much. Jack, is there anything you'd like to say or add to the listeners or our dialogue today about uh, the National Zero Waste Council or food waste in general? Well, I'd just like to say um, the National Zero Waste Council as a wealth of information and you mentioned the website you know and nzwc.ca national zero waste council.ca just use the letters mm -hmm. um, lots of great information good reports in there uh, the report that you mentioned has lots of real world uh, examples of businesses and organizations that are making change and, and uh, it's, it's an excellent way to find that out so going there as a resource is a, is a good start but again i think it's it's every one of us have a part to play and no matter how small you think your part is, it's, it's important because it all adds up. So I really appreciate um, discussing this with you and having a chat today. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Jack. It's been really, really wonderful having you. And, and I agree with you. The website is amazing. And the report that we're going to be talking to Denise with after the break, Circular Food Solutions in Canada, is a wonderful report. As well, the entire website, as you said, has amazing resources. So thank you so much, Jack, for sharing your vision and expertise with us today. And I'm really uplifted to know so much work has been accomplished but also hopeful because there's a clearer path forward, which has been proposed. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you. Wonderful. After the break, we'll find out ways to help households and communities across Canada to understand and avoid food waste. Denise Philippe, will, Senior Policy Advisor, National Zero Waste Council in Metro Vancouver, will join us. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. We're speaking about food waste across Canada with Denise Philippe, Senior Policy Advisor, National Zero Waste Council and Metro Vancouver. Welcome, Denise. Hello, Peggy. Thanks for having us here. We're really thrilled to have you. Denise, the National Zero Waste Council just published in October 2021 a report called Circular Food Solutions in Canada. What does the term circular food solutions mean? Yeah, a circular food solution is something that addresses what we think of as uh, challenges within our conventional food supply chain. So a circular food solution really helps us rethink our conventional agriculture, fishing and aquaculture and food practices in ways that help us to really regenerate our, our natural resources. It reduces food loss and waste. And where that's not possible, uh, create new value from food that would be considered waste otherwise. 
Very interesting. So there's new life at the end of a circular food solution. And I like that idea and the imagery as opposed to a linear, something is used for a purpose, it's done with that purpose, and that's it and stop because we all know the stop isn't actually there. Something does happen to it for better or for worse. And we're going for better with what the Net Zero Waste Council is doing. So a real team effort, a lot of funders, a lot of experts, a lot of research has come together in this incredible circular food solutions report that was just put out by the National Zero Waste Council. Council. So there must have been solutions offered. And can you tell us about what some of those are at a very high level, Denise? Yeah, we did focus really on solutions that were found in Indigenous communities, coastal communities, rural and northern communities, for example. With this work, we wanted to better understand what, what circular food solutions were happening out across Canada. We found approximately 200 solutions. We also found that the solutions were concentrated in urban areas. And that, again, is likely due to there are more market opportunities in major urban centers. Um, there's also the space for new and innovative um, businesses to exist without uh, overwhelming the market. That's, that's not so true, I would say, in smaller communities. And I would also say that a lot of the solutions that we found were mostly small to medium-sized enterprises. And ha over half of the solutions were identified as being for-profit, though there were solutions that were being run by not-for-profit and, and by government. So a really helpful kind of cross-section of what is the state of progress, if you will, and in innovation at this point. And I know that the report sort of has four broad lenses that it looks at from climate change, business processes, technology, and social innovation. And why these lenses? We tried to cast as wide a net as possible to capture any kind of circular food solution that was out there. At the same time, we recognized that uh, hopefully the uptake of the findings of this report would be assisted by sort of trends of policy or political or investment action. So we know that climate was really important and we know that tech, tech changes and tech processes are, are pretty big right now. Uh, we're seeing a lot of investment in new technology, helping farmers uh, make better choices. And then of course, uh, business changes we felt were, were really important. People are making are creating circular solutions um, without necessarily a whole new business model, but they're adapting their business processes through technology and other kinds of changes to all of a sudden go from a linear to a circular to a circular solution. So really a broad, broad lens. So I like the strategy that the council used for that. So to break it down just a little bit more then, there were some food produced on land solutions identified. Can you share some of these? Yes. Uh, well, we have quite a range, and I would say more circular solutions that were land-based uh, that were included in, in the report. We found smart farms uh, up north, for example, where um, food was grown in indoor environments, uh, and that those farms were, or where food was produced, were all, was also close to the community that needed to eat the food. So again, you're really localizing a supply chain, you're shortening it up. Um, taproot farms. Um, this is a regenerative agriculture um, example. It's a family owned and operated farm that, that grows quite a wide range of fruits and vegetables. It also raises livestock. The desire really was to, to farm in a way that regenerates the earth and, and create community value. They use cover cropping. There's always something that's growing on the soil, uh, but it's it's while it's growing, when you when you dig that in, it also allow, it also builds the soil over time. So cover cropping is important. It also means that you don't lose the topsoil. 
livestock farming that helps fertilize the soil and prepares the soil for planting, builds sort of farm resilience. There's a whole system in place at the farm level. We're keeping waste in the system and using it. It seems to be a real harmonious kind of uh, period where people are looking for local foods now. And the life on land is a very important piece, but also aquatic food production is another area of focus. Could you tell us just about one solution in this category? Sure. The most circular solution available in sort of the aquaculture industry is really the 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 practice of integrated now this is going to sound huge but the uh, the practice of integrated multi-trophic aquaculture basically what that means is that people are growing fin fish shellfish uh, key, uh seaweed kelp together they're taking the waste of one species which provides a feeding niche or a feeding opportunity uh for another species the waste of one actually allows the other to grow or it provides a, a, um, a food source. That we're putting things together that would be in a natural habitat. There is an ecosystem that we can model and follow nature's lead and have a real sustainable and circular setting. That's, that's really wonderful. So beyond production, we talked about life on land and we talked about water. Food processing and manufacturing is a factor in this food supply change. And can you tell us about one improvement that could be made to help reduce waste at that level? So when we look at manufacturing, I think one of the biggest opportunities there really lies with upcycling food. But I also think uh, shortening supply chains is another one. So we wanna manufacture ideally where we grow and we want to manufacture ideally where we distribute it's when at the point of manufacturing you may be making one item uh, that results in some level of waste but then instead of that item becoming instead of that food element becoming waste or upcycling it into another food source so you basically means you're not leaving anything to waste you're using all parts of a food item Wow. So very, very interesting, the level and range of things that are coming forward in this report uh, that is called the Circular Food Solutions in Canada that has been recently published October 21 from the Net uh, National Zero Waste Council. And Denise, could you tell us about some of the special considerations um, of Northern rural and Indigenous communities when we start to talk about this food waste strategy or solutions? Yeah, there are a number of unique considerations. One of them is the fact that these communities can be more isolated. So we talked about the that we're finding a lot of circular solutions tending to be more in urban areas, and that's really because of access to markets. Um, not having e easy access to markets can be a challenge. Also, not being able to co-locate uh, can be a challenge. So you might be able to uh, grow food stuff, but then you really have to transport it long distances. The other piece there is is understanding that food security is a key driver in a number of those communities. So um, for many of the food solutions, it is a that you know they do see a, a multi generational um, environmental impact. But for um, a lot of the northern rural and indigenous communities, um, making sure that there is a secure um, secure food supply is really critical. Food costs a lot more. In isolated communities, you don't always have the range of food items that you you need. So making sure that you have access to affordable food and diverse, diverse food items is really important for those communities. 
Right. And so, again, very much warranting that special consideration, but also what we can learn from those communities and, and settings as well are, I think, really, really important. Well, Denise, do you have any final thoughts to offer our listeners about food waste across the nation? I think you're going to hear more about this in, in other uh, segments of this of this radio program, this radio show. Um, but do take a look at our Love Food Hate Waste campaign. I would say that that's, that's, uh, has lots of tips and tricks for consumers in terms of how you manage food waste in your own home. Uh, the more we learn about and support our local growers, processors, uh, and retailers, the more we can support those local food supply chains, the more resilient we'll be as communities. Wonderful, wonderful final message that we can do this together and that there are unique actions that each one of us can take. Thank you so much, Denise, for our conversation today. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking about national food waste and circular solutions with Denise Philippe. Senior Policy Advisor, National Zero Waste Council, and Metro Vancouver. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, what can your household do to avoid food waste? Something to do, visit www.nzwc.ca, which stands for National Zero Waste Council, to find out more about food waste from a national perspective and to find the report Circular Food Solutions in Canada. Next week on the show, it's a special quarterly series, What's in Season. We'll be discussing healthy holiday eating, and we'll be speaking with Brooklyn Buckley, registered dietitian. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist, and you've been listening to Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.